0: You're listening to a sermon from Bentree Church in Loveland, Colorado. For more information about Bent Tree, visit BentreeChurch.com. Amen. Thank you, brother. Yeah, let's drag this thing forward. All right. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. It's good to see you guys here. We don't have long today. I want to get right into our time of preaching and um, this Christmas Eve Sunday. How cool is it that Christmas Eve falls on the Lord's Day? Uh, This is just a wonderful time of worship. We've been in this series, this Christmas uh, season titled Songs of the Servant, Old Testament Songs that are prophecies given by God through the prophet Isaiah for the people of God. That would be us. And it's been a powerful time, hasn't it? As we've seen this promise of God to give his son, Jesus, as this Christmas carol says, we sang last week, to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. O oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Well, on this very special Christmas Eve, Lord's Day, I want us to switch to one more Christmas song. But this song is in the New Testament book of Philippians. So go ahead and turn there. Philippians chapter 2, where the servant songs we studied in Isaiah are prophecy of future events of Jesus' birth His life, his death, his resurrection. Today's song describes the events, but from a different perspective because they've already occurred. This song is sometimes called the hymn of Christ. If you're able, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word one more time? We've read part of the Christmas story, and now we're going to read the Christmas story from a different perspective. Here it is. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would be glorified in this time together as we study your word, that you would change our hearts as the Holy Spirit makes the word come alive in us. So that's our prayer this Christmas morning, this Christmas Eve morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. When we hear the the Christmas story read like earlier, it's easy for us to see the pictures of the, the shepherds and even the angels and the, the sheep that are probably quivering because angels are there. Uh, the angels bring this message of the Savior having been born just down, in, down the hill in Bethlehem. And we see that picture of Sweet Mary and Joseph there in the stable and baby Jesus lying in a manger. And certainly, we do celebrate the birth of our Savior. But just like the songs of the servant in Isaiah, this song in Philippians gives uh, gives us a perspective of Jesus that might seem foreign to us. I mean, if we only saw the physical signs of our Savior's birth from a human perspective looking at, at it, it would be incredible, right? I mean, what a miracle... But today's servant song does something, well, deeper. It does something much deeper than just seeing it from a human perspective. In this passage, the Apostle Paul is laying out for us believers in the church of Philippi and in the church of Bentry. He's going to tell us a a way to pattern our lives to actually live our life on this pattern. He's going to do that by explaining exactly what happened as Jesus was born and how he took on flesh of a baby inside the tummy of a teenage mom in a poor, unknown area of Israel. The Apostle Paul says in verse 5, he says, Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. He's talking to Christians as Paul addresses the entire church. Right off the bat, Paul instructs the believers that together they have access to a unity of mind like Jesus. In other words, we followers of Christ, believers in Jesus, have access to the same kind of thinking that Jesus had. And the, the Greek word, I'm going to give you three big Greek words today, uh, it, for mind is pronounced pronero. Pronero. This is key in understanding what we're talking about here in the book of Philippians. It appears ten times, here it is, write this down, mind, Ferrero, to be wise by setting your thinking on truth. In other words, it will make us wise... If we set our mind on thinking on truth. Now Paul is going to give us a way. To think that will make us wise. And and the way he's going to do that. Is to explain what Jesus did in coming to earth. He's going to explain the incarnation of Jesus' mind. His thinking as he came. In a way. For you computer geeks like me who love computers, he's going to give us a new operating system because the current one just keeps coming up. Do you remember the old systems syntax error? (laughs) That's us. It doesn't bring the life, the old way doesn't bring the life we're designed to live. In fact, it brings death. But if you use this system of the mind of Christ that we, as believers, have access to, we can find life. So what is that mindset on? What's the operating system here that Jesus would have us adopt? Here it is. But as you listen to it, remember that this is what really happened the first Christmas morning. Here it is, verse 6a, Jesus, I put Jesus in so you know who it's talking about, who though he was in the form of God. Look at that first part. Jesus as the second person of the Trinity of the Godhead, God the Son, had existed from in form of God from eternity past. Let that sink in. We can't really understand it totally because the infinite... Is trying to be explained to the finite. That would be you and I. We can't really understand it. We can just know it's true. That Jesus has always existed in the form of God. When we say that word form, the word form sometimes doesn't mean the appearance of something. I know that blows our mind. But here's another Greek word. The Greek word for form. You'll recognize this Greek word. It's morpha. Here it is. Form. A complete and exact copy or manifestation of the original. That's what it's saying. Do you see? That Jesus is a complete and exact copy or manifestation of the original. So the word form means a nature or character that we read in the Nicene Creed. It puts it this way. Being of one substance with the Father. In other words, it means that it doesn't just look like an appearance of God the Father. It is the total exact copy. Now, in just a moment, we'll see what that means in more depth, but just hang on through this thought. Jesus, who had been in the very form, same form and nature of God from eternity past, then look at the second line of verse 6. Here it is. Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now remember, this is a Christmas message, right? There have been times in the past that people have read this verse. And they've read into it something totally wrong. So check what you think what this is saying. Let's start by saying what it doesn't mean. What it doesn't mean. Two wrong interpretations. First, the word grasped doesn't mean that Jesus was not already equal with God the Father. It doesn't mean that he was thinking about trying to get equal and get up to the same level to grasp hold of it and be equal with God the Father. Wrong, 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 wrong. Did I mention it was wrong? In fact, that's what Satan's fatal mistake was, wasn't it? And we read in Isaiah 14, 14, Satan's thoughts as he was trying to take over heaven. He says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. So Satan in no way is equal to God in any sense of the word. He wanted to be though. And that is the lie that Satan would sell to Eve and Adam. All right, second misconception that people have had in this passage, it doesn't mean that Jesus had equality with God, but would lose the equality with God if he didn't grasp it. Wrong. The reason that neither one of these works is this. The third Greek word, you ready? The meaning of grasp in Greek is pronounced harpogmas. Harpogmas. Here it is. Greek, grasp. Grasp. A fact that could be used for his own advantage. Now this is key in understanding this. Grasp. A fact that could be used for his own advantage. Now this is powerful when we put this all together. So go with me. What Paul is telling us is that Jesus, who had been in the very nature of God, from eternity past, look at this, Jesus chose not to exploit his his equality with God for selfish reasons. Mm. Now we're getting at the heart of the Christmas message. Jesus chose not to exploit his equality with God for selfish reasons. This is the mind of Christ that Paul is saying we should have. It's the operating system, the same attitude of Jesus. Now, although He could have, Jesus could have, Jesus could have exploited this equality. Why? Because he's God. He's God. But instead, what did he do? Look at verse 7. Here it is. But Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Now, this is so important for us to understand this Christmas season because the really, it really, really demonstrates the love that Jesus has for us in coming as a babe that first Christmas morning. Let's be clear. When it says he emptied himself, look, look. Jesus did not stop being God. He did not give up his deity as God. Jesus did not somehow temporarily surrender his divine attributes as a member of the Trinity. In fact, write this down. In his incarnation, Jesus did not empty himself of his divinity. Rather, he added humanity to his divinity. Do you see how that works? He added humanity to his divinity. And it uses in that verse the word form. In other words, he took on full huma- uh, humanity except without the weight of sin. He became truly, I mean, he was truly God. Then he became truly man. One nature, one, I'm sorry, two natures, one person. Now, like Pastor Ralph Helm would say, Ruggle that around in your brain for a little bit. His divine nature retained all the attributes of God his human nature he was like us in every single way except without sin as such he was the perfect lamb of God that takes away the sin of all who believe in him and satisfies the wrath of God for us now this verse doesn't say Jesus gave up anything at all does it Think of it this way, the son of God is so powerful, so awesome, so glorious, he did something totally unexpected. He took the form of a bondservant, being born in the likeness of man. This all-powerful God became a baby in the tummy of the womb of a poor Jewish virgin in a no-account town. In emptying himself, Jesus takes on a new role, that of a bondservant. He is held accountable now. He is saying, God, I'm going to carry out your will. I'm bonding myself to you. Because he takes on the flesh of man, even though he is all-powerful, he was able to become the lowest of the low, a bondservant. But then he humbles himself and ultimately another way. Because look at verse 8. And being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even a death on the cross. The suffering leading up to that death by crucifixion. Is the most torturous and humbling way mankind has ever devised. For someone to die. Slowly. Painfully. Painfully. And let's be honest, embarrassingly, crucifixion didn't usually happen on a tall cross like we see in many of the pictures. They simply didn't want to waste the wood on someone so worthless. Jesus had been scourged, meaning his flesh on his back would have been flayed so his bones were showing, his ribs were showing, his face was beaten black and blue. He had the crown of thorns. He would have been stripped totally naked nailed to the cross, hung just high enough so his feet were just about a foot off the ground so that you could look at this scum in the eyes. That's what the Romans thought, that they could see you. Now look at this, look at this. For those who would believe Jesus took all their sin to that cross and was sacrificed as an atonement for their sin. Someone say amen. This is truth. This is Christmas right here. For those who believe Jesus took all their sin, those who had believed, to the cross and was sacrificed as an atonement or a payment for sin. Now look at this message of Christmas. This is Christmas right here. This is the message of the angels announcing to the shepherds that a Messiah had been born. Someone who would take the sin of his people. That is the forgiveness of sins of all those who would believe he is the son of God. And the righteousness of Jesus is given to those same believers. So the believers are made whole. They're made complete. We are made into the sons and daughters of God. The word adopted is apropos here. We are adopted into the family of God. That's the message of Christmas. Jesus' death as an atonement for our sin, for those that are born again. So Jesus humbled himself. He went to the cross. He is this all-powerful God, and yet he submits himself to utter humiliation, doesn't he? And what is the result of that humiliation? Look at verse 9. Therefore, because of the humiliation, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Do you get that? Because Jesus humbled himself, because Jesus takes on the flesh of man and goes to the cross humiliated, naked, bloodied. God exalts Jesus and bestows on him the name that is above every name. That word bestows means to grant something. Like a king on the battlefield after a victory, a man is knighted by that king. The king puts a sword on his shoulder and he gives him a royal title. Same idea. God exalts Jesus and look at that phrase, lifted up, has a double meaning. First we saw him lifted up as the crucified Christ. God had allowed that. He had done that. And because of that being crucified and lifted up, God lifts up Jesus. God exalts him by giving him this exalted name. But how does that play out? In other words, what does the new exalted name do? Look at verse 10 and 11. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now notice that, it, that when it says every knee, it's without qualification. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that mean that all people will be saved in the end? No. No. Quite the opposite. It means that those who are enemies of God will have to admit that Jesus is Lord. They won't want to, but they'll have to. They'll have to get down on their knees. And as they, and they, as they finally believe, it will be too late for them. They will face eternal judgment. Now, the Apostle Paul is clearly alluding to the final day, the last day. Meaning that every knee of every believer and non-believer in both heaven and on earth. And check that out. Under the earth. Angels, heavenly beings, even Satan himself. All of mankind will make this confession. Here it is. Write it down. Jesus Christ is the Lord of all creation. Jesus Christ is Lord of all creation. Jesus Christ, is Lord of all creation. It means God the Father has granted that Jesus is the Lord of both heaven and of earth. Over all created things. Over the entire universe. But notice, there's a function, there's a reason that Jesus has given this title. What is it? Let's look at verse 10 and 11 one more time. This time, watch for the last line of verse 11. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus does it all comes to earth, lives this perfect life, is sacrificed for our sins to bring glory to the Father. That, my friends, is at the heart of all of Jesus' work and our work as well. That we might live our lives and point to the glory of Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus does is to bring glory to Is to bring glory to God the Father. Everything. Everything. That Jesus does. Is to bring glory to God the Father. That includes everything in our lives. That he brings to us. And it doesn't end there. Write this down. Sorry there's so many things to write down so fast. But they gave me a time. And they threatened me. (laughs) God the Father. Glorifies Jesus the Son. God the Father glorifies Jesus the Son now. Do you see that? Jesus had glorified God the Father. Now God the Father is going to glorify Jesus the Son. The Apostle Paul tells us this in Ephesians 1, 20 through 22. That he, talking about God the Father, worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. In the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority. And power and dominion. And above every name. That is named. Not only in this age. But also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet. Under Jesus' feet. And gave him as head over all things. To the church. That be us. To say that God glorified. And continues to glorify the son. It's a massive understatement. We can't really even comprehend what all that means for our future as we look forward to the return of Christ Jesus and the establishing of his kingdom with us. We will be seated by him. Woo! Baby, that's big. The world, the world and non-Christians love to play along with the idea of Christmas. Unless we talk about the real meaning of Christmas. Turn with me to Luke 2. This is what our brother Dave read. Knowing what we know now, listen once again to this tiny bit of the Christmas story. Just a portion, starting in verse 8, Luke 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Got the picture? And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. One angel announces the birth of the Savior born in Bethlehem But then a multitude of thousands upon thousands of angels joined the first angel in praising God. Now remember at the beginning of our time together, I said that Paul was going to give us something, an operating system that will give us wisdom is we celebrate the gift of Jesus to be born, live a sinless life, to go to the cross, to be laid in the tomb, to be raised back to life on the morning of the third day, and then to be ascending to heaven, to ascend to his throne, seated next to God the Father. That's the Christmas message that we, like Jesus, can humble ourselves to the plan of God for our lives to say, may my life be used for your glory. That you would use my money for your glory. My house is your house. My car is your car. My time, my time, God, is your time. And no matter what happens to us, we offer our lives humbly to say, God, let my life bring you glory And in the end, just like God raised Jesus and seated him at the right hand of the Father, he will raise us up one day. That's the Christmas message. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we come before you and we open your words, we think about these and we say that you loved us when we were willing to spit in your face. And deny Jesus that you are the son of God. We say thank you. And yet even those words just fall so easily from our lips. But God we mean them. Thank you. Show us God how to worship you. For those of you who are not Christians. I get it that this message. This thing is a huge huge message to become a Christian you see you don't have to be good enough the Christians in this room were screwed up they hated God and God called them to life they were born again born from above not because they were good enough but that Jesus called them to life is he calling you right now this is the question do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God if so what are you waiting on what are you waiting on I mean like change teams follow Jesus give your life say you can have my life I believe Jesus you are the son of God and pray this help me to become all that I need to be but I don't know what to do But you have my life. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, here is a... You want to pull that back just a second? If you'll take your... Not yet. Not yet, sir. Not yet. (laughs) Go ahead. Would you please stand with us as we... Give glory to God. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Bentree Church. To get connected at Bentry and for more information, please visit BentreeChurch.com.